Danger all round the world. I will protect them. Because I'm Christopher. It's that Bill Bailey song. Are we good to go? Are we rolling. Are we uh, rocking yeah. and are we rocking and rolling? R- right. It testing. Menagerie. Episode one. You should think of a lesson as a weapon in love and teach your brother, teach your sister. Think of a lesson as a weapon in love. Certain animals have targeted me throughout my life. Okay, yeah. And they've singled me out, and they tend to be ones that I would say are certainly from the darker side of, 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 the, of, of things. Um, from the, yeah. So, I mean, and I, I do take the, you know, the argument that when the lion kills the gazelle, there is, it's not evil. It's not, morality is something that humans yeah. do. It, it just is. It just is. Yeah. But I don't believe that from what I've lived. I was sitting in the public square in Cologne, eating a sausage, and from maybe a hundred meters away, I, I spied this wasp buzzing along in the square. A hundred meters. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And I've never spot an insect from that kind of distance. Away. That it's is a long, a long way, way away. away. And already I knew something was up because that's already weird. That doesn't happen normally. So it was a moment of just clarity. You see the wasp. There was a bond there that had already been established. As soon as I saw it, that was it. So it's just coming in in a, lin- in a, in a beeline. Well, they probably find that very... F- a wasp line. We locked eyes with compound eyes, you know? <laughs> yeah. From the moment I looked at it, there was an inevitability. And I remember just thinking, that wasp's very near my face. And, and then immediately after, it stung me in the face. I, it, always, that, that was always going to happen, you know? I just knew, even before it happened, I, knew, I, I just knew. Where in the face did it sting you? On the eyelid. The eyelid? Very painful, yeah. The, my, my, my eye swelled up to, frankly, a comical size. That's an introduction to nature right there for a young child. But, you know, and, and I thought, you know, what, it's just a small thing, right? And it, 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 could, do, it could deal a bit of damage. It's not know? its fault, though, is it? I mean, you know, it's... Or did you, did you feel like there was intention there from the wasp? Look, I understand that there is no right or wrong with the ways of, of, of beasts. It just is. It just I agree. Is. They just—they are. It's what's in their name. But there seems to be some anger here. My point is, I think some creatures have gone down an evolutionary path that leads them to do bad things. Do you think all wasps are evil? Are they? You know, can you say that wasp? You know, I've never he's, met a good wasp. You know, no, I can't say I have. Maybe they're out there, but I just feel that they're—they're—they're—they have evolved in such a way as to be innately malicious. But surely the fact that they've evolved into a way that gives them. No root but malice. All I'm saying is, other, you know, I understand it's a jungle out there. Every, everything's got to survive. But you don't have to be a dick about it. And I think wasps are. The bee? The, the bee is an example, a shiny example for what the wasp could be. I think the, the reason they act the way they do is that they're deep down, they wish they were bees. Even though they can't, they haven't got the mental vocabulary to think of that. That's ultimately what their anger is. Well, you know what saved the bees? Yeah. You know, wasps are actually on the increase. I mean, that isn't true, but we still got to, you know, you still got to keep it in mind. It wouldn't surprise me either way. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, that information, yeah, there are more of them, there are less of them. Yes and no. But yeah, either way, I'm cool with that. From what I've lived in my life, 
I think some animals can be evil. Not many, but it's been known to occur. Okay, uh, Rob, I'm just heading out now. What? Well, I've got to, I've got to go out. I've got stuff yeah, to do. Yeah, but that's not... F- Tom, I just... You did your wasp story. I was going to tell my, uh, my old frog story if you were... Oh, that, I've not heard that one. Yeah. Tell you what, you could just tell Jake. You don't, Jake's don't mind. The, I, he's the producer, man. He doesn't... Well, he can talk too, can't yeah, he? Yeah, he always does it wrong. He always talks yeah, wrong. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he do- that is true. You know, mm. that doesn't... That right. shouldn't get in the way here. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. All right, then. Jake! Next on the programme, a brief discussion of the mating habits of frogs and toads. So the the way the frogs breed here... In the garden. Have you seen the pond? No, I haven't. There's a small pond. Nothing, you know, nothing special. One day of the year they'll breed. In a frenzy. Right. Is there a technical word for that? I think it might just be an orgy. And it's always disgusted me. As a child, you know, it repulsed... It's still don't repulse... It's, I find it's repellent to me. It's quite a big thing for a child to see. Does that prompt an awkward conversation with parents? Not really, because, you know, I knew the kind of, um, I guess, the anatomic, you know, the anatomical... The I knew the mechanics of a kind of an, an individual fertile act. <laughs> but I didn't... But that doesn't prepare you for 30 frogs fucking each other, does it? Knowing that, you know, oh, you know, and the half the genes are here and half the genes are there. All you see is 30 frogs and towers of sometimes up to four. Right. And and you know what, and they drown each other. Jesus. Yeah, and you then you find them all bloated, and, and it's like the water is boiling. Oh, it's just, it makes me feel sick. <coughs> a sort of small frog or a single frog can be almost cute, would you say? Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. One potentially pastoral, friendly, happy frog. A bit close, a bit big. Creepy. Upwards of three. Plague of frogs. It's, well, exactly. It's not Beatrix Potter in the Old Testament. I mean, I, you, you'll, you'll be the first to know that. And lo, Mrs. Tiggy Winkle said unto Peter Rabbit, Bring me your firstborn so that I may smite him. And Flopsy, Mopsy and Cottontail were sore afraid. I remember... Actually, my dad was out there with a stick, a bamboo stick, just trying to... I mean, he had an almost impossible task, which was to sort of obviously well, allow was, them to... He was trying to separate them. Well, he had. A, he was trying to separate them when he thought that, you know, it was, it was dangerous yeah, yeah, right. for the lady frogs. He was presiding over an orgy, really, is what he was doing. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, God. I'm an interventionist up to the point of which... Within the animal... Within the animal... Within small, the small... And specifically the, the, the mating rights. Yeah, the I'm basically animal. kind of sexual activity in ponds. Uh, I'm going to make a judgment call on that. I, I feel responsible for the biosphere of my garden, and I'd encourage every other homeowner... Well, not a homeowner, every other <laughs> feckless home dweller to do the same.
What noise does a frog make? What noise does a frog make? It goes. <coughs> no, that's a dinosaur, Tom. Yep. What's this frog procession? Well, I think it might be toads, actually. Well, it's a good job Tom isn't here. All toads, or just one specific subgenre of toad? Subgenus. That, yeah. Um, but they have a ritual mating pond. Oh, that sounds oh, ritual mating. Pond. <laughs> Don't we all? It sounds. Well, I think sounds it's a, a prog rock album. <laughs> Here is one of our second album called Ritual Mating Pond. Hit it. <laughs> he was found floating dead in his <laughs> his debauch ritual mating. So the toads anyway, have a- yeah. So so they have a and and it's generations use this place. But oh. the, in the in classic uh, wildlife fashion, they tend to live a long way away from the pond. So mm. when it gets to Pim's o'clock, <laughs> yeah, when it gets to toad business time. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, okay. they have to. Uh, <laughs> Process. Yeah, they have to. They trek. <laughs> but this is—it's a real problem actually because they'll have to cross, you know, major roads. Let them die, toads. Well, are. this is it, and every every year, hundreds and hundreds of toads are killed on British roads. Good riddance. Well, you're not going to like the next bit then, because oh, no. there's a national team of people who have taken it upon themselves to help toads cross roads. Is that their slogan? <laughs> if it isn't, it should be. Yeah, yeah. What do you get when you cross a car with a toad? A dead toad. But don't ask me, ask Natalie. Hi, I'm Natalie, and we're off on a toad patrol. What the actual fuck are you talking about, Natalie? Local people and wildlife trusts have set up toad patrols to help the toads cross the road safely and get them to the ponds and lakes in which they can breed and spawn. That's great, but how the dickens can I get involved? Just contact Frog Life um, online. It's as easy as that. That does sound easy. I'll check it out right away. Thanks, Natalie. Can I have my wallet back now? This feature brought to you by Frog Life. They have two main approaches. They either go out to the roads where the toads are crossing and flip them over, just get them in a frying pan or a net or a sack or something and just fling them across the road. Yeah. Or they uh, build little under-road crossing tunnels for wildlife. And it's not just toads that on use their, them. On their, yeah, specifically their fuck toads. pilgrimage. <laughs> The tunnels for fuck pilgrimage. (laughs) 
don't want to know what goes on in those tunnels. Well, fortunately, Rob, there's there's footage. Oh no! These things are trying to cross roads to get Blade. Well, aren't we all? unbelievably profound thank you uh, 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 Jake how do you um, how do you help old ladies cross the road just get them in a frying pan or a net or a sack or something and just fling them across the road <laughs> Jake do you think I should have a home birth or should I go to the hospital to have my baby just get them in a frying pan or a net or a sack or something. <laughs> Jake, Jake, they're, they're, they're coming. How are we, we going to fight off the zombies? What are we going to do? Just get them in a frying pan or a net or a sack or something. Hey, guys. Hey, man. How's it, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Have uh, a nice good cup of tea. I did, yeah, very nice. Uh, what, what are you guys just talking about now? We're talking about toads, well, Tom. No, no, I'm just... Talking to- about the show. What was that, Jake? Oh, we're talking about toads. There's this really cool thing. Jake, where- Jake mate, just. What? Toads are kind of a thing for Tom. Uh, Jake, it's cool. I know you didn't mean to do it and it was an accident, but you've actually unwittingly there just really upset me. This is the oldest story I have to tell. In fact, it may be my earliest true memory. Um, It was Christmas Eve 2001, and in the morning I went out into the garden and the lifeless body of my guinea pig greeted me that morning. Um, Malteser, dead in the hutch on Christmas morning. And obviously this was a tough time for me because, you know, my first real introduction to the concept of death itself, really, understanding it truly. Well, I mean, beginning a lifelong journey towards understanding it, but uh, beginning that process for me. Um, And so obviously the decision was made to bury Malteser. No one knew how he died. Um, We got a shoebox and put him in a shoebox and were getting ready to bury him. And Malteser was going to be buried in in these reeds. And my dad had just started giving the funeral speech I can't remember what it was now and I was looking down into the into the thick of the in the thick of the reeds and then I saw something move unmistakably in their midst um, it was a toad um, and not just a not just an ordinary toad I would describe it as a transitional toad it still had a large tail from when it was a toad spawn was it sp- but, but the size of it a... was the size of a normal toad. I mean, this thing. I, I, obviously, when I look back on a lot of these things, I find it hard to think about size because I was smaller as well. Yeah. So sometimes everything seems bigger. But this was a big toad. This was, and it had this at least half of it beyond its actual body was its tail. The tail got. I mean, I looked at it, and it was just it was just slowly moving through these reeds around the site of the funeral. 
And at that age, I started to make all sorts of connections in my mind. I was a, I was a very my mum said I had a very imag- uh, imaginative, I had a big imagination. Yeah. And that really worked to my detriment here. Uh, it really did. And so I started to think that this toad was sort of prowling around, almost gloating that he had killed well, my guinea pig. Yeah. And I and the, the cause of death was not um, uh, ever determined. And I asked my mum, "How did Maltese die?" And she said, "Oh, he, he, she must, he must have just been frightened to death." And so I had this image of sort of the crack, the crash of lightning, and then just poof, a toad in front of the uh, in front of the hutch of the guinea pig just dropped dead. The toad just killed it. And I thought this toad, because I often heard that toads were sort of linked with witches. Yeah. I used to believe... Famili- w- familiars. They are, yeah, they're, they're definitely used in black magic. And I, I kind of used to sometimes think a witch lived at the bottom of the garden. All these things started to coalesce in my mind. And I found myself thinking more and more about this toad. And the fact that it must have killed my guinea pig. And I remember... I was super casually. I'd never shared this with any of my parents or anything. Because you don't at that, you know, that at age. that age, you keep these things to yourself. I you believe, can't articulate them, and so you just you kind still of believe in the supernatural. I, I was six years old. I still believe that the supernatural was real. Well, you have a associative logic, right, rather than exactly. You logic. can't, and so you, you almost think, oh, everyone must think this to some yeah. extent. You don't share it. So I, I think the the, the best I ever sort of said to my mum was something like trying to be super cool and like thinking in my head like god this toad is just around this there's a toad there's a toad and i was like oh yeah mum there's a toad in the garden i think it's trying to be super casual yeah, super cool so hopefully she'll and i was hoping that i'd get a new piece of information from my mum that would make things better um but my mum said oh yeah toads yeah yeah well with a frog you know a frog will sort of pass through a frog will um just sort of make its way through your garden and it'll go on to something else but you know toads settle and I heard that, and that sent me into a tailspin to hear that. <laughs> to hear that this toad was somehow bound to the garden mm. and bound to me as well. That this toad was somehow... We were inexorably linked with each other, and, and nothing... So no, had you only seen it once? At this point, I'd seen it, I'd say, twice. I remember another time, it was in the summer, my mum asked me to go around the side of the house and turn on the hose. There's a little alleyway at the side of my house, and there, just on the bins at the end, the toad was just sitting there up on the bins up on the bins looking at me and then I go and say to my mum literally you know like there's a toad right here it's gone I never saw the toad in the company of an adult I only ever saw the toad on my own. Um, So then Then you begin to think is is there a toad is the toad just part of my mind Um, you know and then honestly I cannot even begin to describe how much this started to take over my waking moments I began to have these waking visions of the toad what would you what would that well, it took the form asking? of a horrifying vision um, uh, in the doorway at the bottom of my garden I was looking down from the top and what I would see was an enormous toad man standing in the doorway St- standing standing with one arm behind his head in a semi seductive pose <laughs> and this was a vision I had was was the toad man clothed as it w- the toad man was not no. Was he, he just standing? He was standing. He had legs, but they were almost like weird toad legs. But he was a man mixed with the toad. Bottom half was so the the, man, the, the, was the, the the jumping legs are extended as if they were human yes, legs. Exactly. Okay, yeah. So he had straight legs, but it's still very toady. You know, still you imagine he could have crouched down if he wanted to with yeah. a normal toad. And this toad man. And he's sort of sedu- is he sort of saying come in, maybe? Yeah. Okay. He was. He's saying, come, come join, you know, come down. And then, so for years I thought, what the hell did that mean? 
you know, what was all of that? And the thing is, it was the kind of thing where you'd almost have thought you'd got over it and then you see it again. It would, it would know not, to, it, its strength was in not revealing itself too often. You Did know? it and die? Did you find? Never found the body. And that always frustrated me because I would have liked to just have some closure, you know, on that whole thing. And then I wondered, what does the Toad Man represent? Is it part of my own, you know, subconscious, the idea that, the fear of maybe turning into something monstrous or to to be uh, is it is it anything is, is it what i'm not or it's what i am or you know what what does it represent and that, and that it's trying to seduce it's tr- whatever it is it wants me to come and join it and i'd never wanted to and i think that's still what i had left you know that's st- i could always hold on to that i didn't want to go down i didn't want to go down to the bottom of the garden it was trying to get me to come down and there were times when I went, obviously, but I never—I was never tempted in the way that it was yeah. hopefully trying to tempt me, presumably towards some sort of dark side of some sort of dark magic, to, and to turn you away from your path. Turn me away from yeah, Christian faith, probably yeah. Um, and I'm glad to say that it never succeeded in that. How do you think that went? All right, yeah, not not bad. Well, I think it's pretty good for a first go. Yeah, for a fir- yeah for a first go, I guess. Um, we'll get better if we keep, if we yeah, keep going. Yeah, you know, the second half was better than the first, though, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. The first is a bit. It, it warms up, and you know, it warms up, and then we get to the end of the toad, and then what's the ending? You know? Yeah, I don't really know. We'll have to talk to Jake. I don't really like the ending as it is at the moment, but I don't know. I'll think of something. We'll just chuck something in and wrap it up. Put a funny noise at the end of it or something. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Jake, how do you like your eggs in the morning? Just get them in a frying pan or a net or a sack or something. <laughs>